Welcome to episode number 272 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Ryan. And I'm Jill. You're muted, Michael. And I muted myself. Oh. <laughs> Man, we made it 10 seconds. Less than 10 seconds. Here. I'm just going to edit it in, or maybe I won't. Uh, maybe I'll leave it. And I'm Michael. On this episode of Destination Linux, we are taking you on the behind-the-scenes tour of our studio setups. All the equipment we use each week to produce the show, DL, which is quite unique in a show, being that it's live video, it's video, and podcast all together in one. We're going to discuss all of the amazing hardware we use, and of course, all the amazing open-source software that powers it all. If you usually just catch this as a podcast episode, like 99.99% of you do, this is an episode you want to go back and definitely watch the video because you're going to be able to see some live behind the scenes equipment. It's going to be awesome. Then we're going to talk about the latest Thunderbird release. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this coming up right now on Destination Linux. So this week in our community feedback, we have Jeremy who writes us to say, hey, y'all, must be from Georgia or the South, because, you know, I use the y'all too, and Michael does. It's kind of a thing. I think y'all is becoming <laughs> more uh, more universal because it's so efficient. You know, why would you like, say- Y'all is an efficient yeah, way of right? saying hi to a group of people. Exactly. Agree. He goes on to say, just wanted to drop a note to thank you all for everything you do. My most recent Linux journey started a few years ago when I built my first PC. I love that you took- the initiative to build your own PC. That's awesome. Alongside one of my CS classes. When I finished my build, I couldn't figure out how to get the free student edition of Windows, spelled D-O-Z-E. Crack me up. Naturally. And I remembered about <laughs> Linux and open source software. At the time, I had to dual boot Windows for schoolwork, but now my second rig has not been tainted. It's running Kubuntu only, and my laptop is running Manjaro's KDE edition. My first foray into Linux didn't go over so well, it was the early aughts, and I might have blown up the family's computer attempting a Gen 2 install. I like <laughs> the initiative of going for Gen 2 as well there. I mean, I did Gen 2 one time and then quickly went <laughs> elsewhere. But it's amazing when you can get it done, and it's yep. cool. It's a great distro. I'm just saying it was a lot to take in to do that. So that's awesome that you've yeah. done the full gamut there. Today, I'm excited to say that I'm putting the final touches on a tech challenge for what may be my first official Linux career move with an open source company. I don't think I'd have gotten this point as fast as I have without following your network, your tips, tricks, and staying current on everything Linux. Thank you all so much for everything you do. All the best, Jeremy. P.S. I just got my first sit-stand desk, so I would be up for some ergonomic seating recommendations. No, Michael. What? No, I have, I have many options. No, no recommendations from you, Michael. I, ha I have None. many options. Uh, there's no. there's an option for you can sit and on a chair and then stand, but you could also do the hybrid approach, which okay, is actually called active sitting, where you get a stool. And if you want to learn more about it, you'll, you'll check out destinationlinux.org slash stools, and that will give you much more details about why. I love that why. that's a real thing. It is a yeah. thing. Yep. We talk about our sit-stand desk later on in the video when we do our behind-the-scenes. And uh, I kind of went too long in it, so I had to edit it down because I kind of I, I kind of like the sit stand. They are exciting, and you got me into the sit stand desk, and it really did change my life. I mean, I mean that like I was sitting for hours and hours on end, sitting in meetings, just 
never getting up, not moving enough. And that between an annoying watch that keeps saying, hey, go do something. You've been sitting forever. Those two things have been helping a lot. And I notice when I stand, like when I'm doing the show, I move around a lot more, get a lot more uh, steps in and things like that. So it's much healthier to to have. But we'll talk about that later in our show. But I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, I love that this individual ran the full gamut of distros Absolutely. because mm-hmm. it's it's fun to go out there and ask your friends, what do you use? And we know the Linux community could be really passionate about the answer to that. But this individual went and has tried a bunch of different things, Kubuntu, Manjaro, Gentoo, basically going through a spectrum of different distros. And you've got a mixture here. It looks like you run Kubuntu on your desktop and you run Manjaro on your laptop full time. You don't have to pick one. There's no reason to just become a fan and say, it has to be Fedora and I want to put Fedora on everything. Now, I have this weird thing when I put a new distro on one of my computers that I have to put on every computer. (laughs) But I think that's like a learning obsession thing for me, not much that it's like a fanboyism thing. Yeah, you you just Uh, dive in on like kind of surround yourself with it. So you want it everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, Yeah. For for me, for, for learning. But I love that you went the full gamut of distros and that will really tell what distro is best for you, which is what's important, right? Which one fits the needs that you have for what you're doing with your computer. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, uh, we got a follow-up just recently, a couple days ago, for this particular uh, email saying that they got the job that they were looking for, the open source company, which is just fantastic. And that's awesome to hear. Awesome, Jeremy. Congratulations. Congrats, yeah, abso- Jeremy. Absolutely. Congratulations. And I love the fact that you were saying that we you you benefited from watching the network and getting the tips and tricks. I, w- that's one of the reasons why we make this show, just to be able to help people in that sense. So I'm so happy that it was helpful to you and getting your new job. Yeah. And also we have on our forums, a job posting section on our forums. And mm-hmm. so if mm-hmm. those are interested in looking for open source positions and those things, if I see them on Twitter or somebody sends them to me, I'll usually post them out there, but other people in the community do as well. Uh, so make sure to take advantage of that if you're interested in getting into a career like Jeremy did. Also, if we've had people come from different companies publish on the forum as well to with their own jobs openings. So if you are a part of a company that have any openings that you would like to get a uh, targeted audience of people who are interested in Linux and, and, and you know, might be fit, a good fit for your company, be sure to use the deal and form. There you go. Well, Jeremy, congratulations again. Now you and all of the 150 <laughs> plus, 190 plus countries that listen to this show. It's a ridiculous amount of countries we have. This is a, now everybody in the world pretty much knows and is congratulating you on your new open source position. Yeah. And we want more people sending us emails. We love hearing from our worldwide community. What we want you to do is get your official deal in mug, fill it with some coffee or bubbly, sit down on your nearest stool and yes. send an email to comments at destinationlinux.org. And if you want to join in the community discussion, then join the DLN community forum by going to dlnforum.com. And that's where the job postings and things are. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Also, DigitalOcean has a lot of great features. Of course, they have predictable pricing, but they also have a ton of robust product docs. There's tons of tutorials. I mean, literally tons. There's thousands of there, and they also keep them up to date, and they're just super useful. I use them all the time, and there's also a lot of other great services that developers love at DigitalOcean. And you can get support at every stage of growth. Whether you're a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, with simple, powerful cloud computing, you get all of this at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. 
Actually, it's better than free because when you go to do.co slash tux2022, that's do.co slash tux2022, you get a $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. Again, go to do.co slash tux2022 to get that $100 free credit on the fantastic cloud services at DigitalOcean. And thanks again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. All right. The time is here, Jill. I know you've been excited about yes. this week. This has actually been one of your show ideas, Jill, that you gave us back when you kind of joined many months back now. And yeah. you said, we, we asked for ideas that we would do. And you said, hey, we need to take people behind the scenes and show them all the equipment and all of the unique things that we do to create this show. Because it is a very unique podcast. It would be very easy yeah. for us because we have audio only podcasts. Uh, Hardware Addicts is an example. It's so easy for me to edit Hardware Addicts each week, Michael. It takes me like maybe two, three hours to edit. Sure. This show maybe takes you, what, two and a half, (laughs) three and a half hours? Sometimes eight hours. (laughs) If you change that to days, then maybe. Yeah. To be serious, it's actually about eight to ten hours uh, every every time, every episode. So it is a lot goes into this, right? A lot goes into producing this show and there's a lot of equipment and a lot of open source software. And I want to make sure that all the stuff that we use, uh, people get a chance to see because there's a lot of people in the community that want to start their own podcast. There are people just interested in knowing what behind the scenes Mm -hmm. looks like. And so all of this, this is the perfect episode for you to check all of those things out. And again, we recommend our podcast listeners make a point, check out the video this week. We've tried to talk through it and narrate through (laughs) all of these different things, but it's going to be better with the visuals and stuff there for you to see. So up first, I believe, is my video, and then we will move on to each person here. So let's start with the behind the scenes tour of my studio. Welcome to the first episode of Dusky Cribs. I mean, I think this is going to be a phenom now that we kick this off. But I'm going to take you behind the scenes into my studio setup, what we use each and every week to produce the show. At least my part of the show, what I produce. And then you're going to see Michael's, you're going to see Jill's. It's going to be awesome. So first, let's take a look and put some respect on the two BenQ 4K monitors. They are absolutely gorgeous. We talked about them in a special episode of Hardware Addicts. So go check that out if you want more information on them. Those are two 4K monitors and we have an Asus 2K monitor that sits in a vertical position. Of course, I'm rocking OpenSUSE Tumbleweed here. If you checked out my latest video, then I talk all about that. Here we're using a Behringer X1204 mixer, and this is actually what I'm using a wireless mic right now. I'm mic'd up so that you have a little bit better audio than would come out of my phone, and that's all built into this X1204, linked into this X1204. In addition, I have the DBX286S, which goes into this. The DBX286S is probably one of my favorite pieces of equipment. This is a microprocessor. It has a de-esser, an enhancer, an expander gate, a preamp, all of that built into this. And what this means is when my kids are downstairs making tons of noise while I'm recording a show or anything else, this takes all of that noise out. It also makes sure you don't hear like the snaky S's and it gives me a nice overall tone to my voice that I have because of this 286S. Up here is a little Android tablet. We also talked about this on one of the episodes of Hardware Addicts, but here is where I will keep the comments up from YouTube and Twitch. So while we're live streaming, I can see your comments there and I'll keep the patrons up on one of the screens directly. Speaking of the patrons, I piped them in utilizing QJack CTO, which you can maybe see on the right-hand corner there. I pipe in their audio here using this graph 
And when I have both Firefox and Waterfox open, there'll be inputs and outputs. And I simply link those together and allows the patrons to hear the audio. And then I share from one of the web browsers, my video view of Michael and Jill and myself, and that allows them to also see the show live. So they don't have to watch it on YouTube. They don't have to deal with the delays and things. And that's where we go hang out after the show. This machine is the mini beast that I've talked about. I've done plenty of episodes and discussion on it. This is a Leon Lee ITX case, mini ITX case, and it's absolutely packed full with great equipment inside. We have the Ryzen 5800X in here, and we also have the 6700 XT Radeon in this. And of course, all powered by the awesomeness of OpenSUSE uh, Tumbleweed. We've got the Bose speakers, and I've got lots of toys and other things. We've got the Sony mirrorless A6300, which is where my video comes from, and that is connected to a Magwell, uh, Magewell HDMI connector. So it feeds that into my machine, and I share that with Video Ninja there. So that's how we do our video production. So most important pieces of equipment, of course, are the DBX286S, my beautiful monitors that I need to have all these different screens open. We've got lots of notes per every single show, can have up to 14 pages of notes that we have to be able to read and understand and look ahead when we're doing the show. So that helps keep us organized, having all these different screens to move things where we need them at, when we need them there. And I forgot to mention entirely, apparently, the fact that this microphone here is quite important to podcasting, and this is a Rode Procaster mic. And this Procaster mic feeds into the DBX, which then feeds into the Behringer X1204 mixer. The Procaster mic is my favorite mic by far. It just has the best voice and the best amplification i found uh, for recording podcasts out there. So this is the mic that I use each and every week, and that is on a Rode arm. So here's a view of the other side of the desk, the side that you don't get to see during the podcast, but this arm here allows me to move wherever I need it so that I can get different shots top down of any products that I'm reviewing here. And of course, I have all of my toys that I hang on the wall, it gives me some nostalgia, makes me want to hang out and be in my office to begin with. And then on the other wall, which you see way in the background, on this wall, again, we have lots of stickers and, of course, the hacker poster. But most importantly, right here, we have an i486DX CPU, an AMD K6 CPU, some Blue Lightning CPU, 486SX, a Cyrix, and some other CPUs that I keep here. Again, nostalgia on some of my builds. We've got some Jenkies albums because Jenkies is the bomb, Red Hat. Lots of stickers and just random paraphernalia that I hang up on the walls again to make this environment something that just gives me nostalgia and a place that I want to be. So that's my crib. I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's check out Michael and Jill's. So there was a lot of interesting video content there. If you haven't, if like again, if you were just listening to the audio, you might want to check out the video version. But in the chat, we got some interesting comments. First of all, one person was making very clear that they wanted to see the Enterprise model up close. Yes, and uh, we that thankfully Ryan did do that in the side view. Uh, also, we in a question in the chat was, do we do you have the case always open? I don't. So this particular case, Leon Lee actually has a version that has a glass panel on the side so you can see in it. And I specifically chose the solid panel because I actually don't like to have all of that stuff exposed because I take my components out so often and I'm upgrading and switching things out for doing reviews for hardware X or whatever. I usually don't spend a ton of time on cable management within my cases. However, 
you know, you saw that it was pretty clean and stuff in there overall. And that's because the Leon Lee has amazing cable management capabilities in the case. This is not my skill. This is just a really well-built mini ITX case that allows you to route the cables perfectly through the other side, which both sides of the panels are completely removable. Very easy to get in and access and take parts out, especially for a small case like this. So it's just, an, it's an awesome case out there. But yeah, I keep it closed most of the time to keep the dust and things out of it. And there was another comment about cable management you mentioned. The most important reason why I think it's it's very hard in the situation that we are in is that if you are using a sit-stand desk, it is insane trying to do cable management, but also having it like some slack so your your desk can go up and down without pulling any of the cables. So Talking it's feet of slack. You can't just yes. have some slack. You have to have three to four feet of slack in some cases exactly. for your yeah. equipment. Yeah. So when uh, when the cable management is something that I try to care about, but also at the same time, I don't because of the whole sit-stand desk part. Well, the great thing about my autonomous desk is built on the back of the desk, and this came with it, is a rack. It's a steel metal rack, and inside there holds a power supply. So my power supply routes from a backup battery into a surge protector. And on that surge protector, which hangs on the back of the desk, that's where all the wires come together. Now it's much easier to do cable management when you don't have, you know, three monitors, a mixer, a secondary tablet, a DBX 286S, speakers, cameras, camera uh, capture cards, lights, and all of that stuff. It would be much easier mm -hmm. to do cable management. The great thing is it may look like I have okay cable management because I stuff everything on that metal rack that sits on the back of my desk. So, you know, you don't have to see all of the cables in there. So that was a nice <laughs> build-in by Autonomous there. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I purchased my Autonomous desk. I also had the same kind of desk that Ryan has, but I got one years prior, and they didn't have that as an option. And they now, you can you can purchase those if you want to separately, but I, at the time, they didn't have them. So I created what I like to call the cable hammock. It's basically yeah, that a, works. It's a net <laughs> that I got off uh, Amazon, I think, or something. And it's basically a cargo net that you put in like an SUV or something for groceries or whatever. And then I just ho hook it underneath the desk because there's these hooks. Like there's basically open holes where the, the bolts are in and then essentially create a cable hammock. And I think it works so quite relaxing well. relaxing for your cable. It is. It, it, they they <laughs> yeah, are always is. in a good mood. <laughs> Mm -hmm. What's cool yeah. about a hammock, though, is that that allows you the slack. So you have the extra cable sitting in that hammock and then when it's going up and down the slack uh, for the desk, because that makes it more difficult for the sit stand. Definitely. Yeah, it's also possible for me to put the like power strips inside the hammock and actually have them separated pretty decently versus the height because it just it's so flexible and where I can put things. So it does work actually quite well. And I was surprised I, when I first thought of the idea, I was like, this is so ridiculous. I have to try it and it's totally not going to work. And then somehow it works beautifully. <laughs> so love it. There you go. <laughs> so Ryan, one thing I wanted to talk about is the DBX 286 that you have. And this is yeah. a very important thing for the audio quality, which I appreciate a lot because yeah. for those who don't know, Ryan has kids and he also lives around people who might be mowing their lawns and whatnot. And the DBX 286 allows it to cut out all the background noise. So when I go into edit, I don't have to rip my hair out, which I appreciate. This is my favorite piece of equipment for audio ever. I don't remember where I learned about this piece of equipment at all. It's probably back in one of the videos that I did when I originally got it. It is a complicated piece of equipment, and I'm not an audio engineer. For an audio engineer, they would laugh at me saying this is a complicated piece of equipment. It's a complicated piece of equipment for me uh, to learn the various settings and things mm -hmm. that I needed. 
but it really changed everything because before this piece of equipment, my wife would have to take the kids and leave the house every time we were going to do a recording. And that included when I needed to record a YouTube video. They'd have to just leave because kids don't know how to be quiet, especially when they're younger and things. And it's not fair to them either. So she would go and take them to a playground or something else or, or take them outside. And that really wasn't fair uh, for everybody. But because of this piece of equipment and the fact that I can set it to tune out certain frequencies and things, you can't hear that. You can't hear it in hardware addicts. You can't hear it during the show right now. The kids are downstairs playing, making a bunch of noise, but it cuts all of that out. It's just an amazing piece of equipment and one that I highly recommend if you want to get into podcasting and you have a situation like me where you have noise and things that you want to filter out picking up a DBX-286S. And the price has come down tremendously on this piece of equipment from when I got it. It was like four or $500, I think, when I was getting it. And now I think you can pick them up for around 250 or so. And Ryan, I just wanted to mention, I loved how casual and nonchalant you were in your video. It was kind of like a, a day in a life of your studio. <laughs> I thought that Thank was really you, great. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I've been wanting to kind of show, I think what goes into this show is quite magical with everything mm -hmm. that we produce. And it's interesting, and yeah. you guys are going to see in Michael's video and then in Jill's, we all use different equipment to get it done because we all had our own thing before we came yeah. together. But yet mm -hmm. it all mixes in and somehow create a show. So I think it's time now, Michael. Is it? To get into your video. <laughs> All right. Woohoo. Uh, I apologize in advance for my cable management to everyone. <laughs> no. So uh, let's, let's get to the segment. Hi, I'm Michael Tunnell with the Destination Linux podcast, and let's do a behind the scenes of how I help create Destination Linux. So let's talk about how we do Destination Linux on my side of the story. So let's start off with the laptop here. This is the HP Envy X360. This is a laptop that I use for the director mode of doing Destination Linux. What I mean by that is that we use Video Ninja and you need a director mode that gives you access to all the stuff that you can integrate into OBS and that sort of stuff. So that's what I do on the produ production side of doing the show. Then we have my Coolertron keyboard and it is actually called Coolertron. I'm not just calling it that. This is a macro keyboard. It allows me to do uh, quick notes inside of OBS or doing live switching. And I also use it for editing and all sorts of stuff. Then next to it, we have the headphones. These are Audio-Technica's. I don't know what model it is, but I'll look it up and put it in the description or the show notes if you want to check them out. Then we have the keyboard, which is a Corsair K70. I did actually know that one. We have the Rockat Kova mouse. And I do like having this kind of mouse. I used to have like a basic mouse and I used to have a basic keyboard. Then I upgraded to a mechanical keyboard and a more uh, customizable mouse. And having those extra buttons totally makes a difference. I will never go back. Then we have the microphone that I use to do the show. It's a Rode Pod mic. It is a great mic and it's actually pretty reasonable priced. Uh, but you will need an XLR mixer for this microphone. And then this one connects to the mixer right here, which is an Allen Heath Zeti 10FX. In between the mixer and the XLR cable for the microphone is the Triton Audio Fathead. It's a mic booster. It allows you to lower the gain on the mixer and boost the signal up. So next up we have the Rode PSA-1 mic arm. I have tried many mic arms over the years and this one is fantastic. I really like the, how easy and flexible it is to move it around and all that. And it's pretty quiet for that process too. Let's talk about the desk that's holding it all together. This is an autonomous sit-stand desk. This is the business edition at the time. Now it's called the Smart Desk Pro, I think. 
I don't remember. They changed the name like three times. But I've had this desk since 2016. And it has been fantastic, actually. It's got a programmable keypad over here. Uh, I really like it. It is kind of pricey too, because when I bought the desk in 2016, it's about half the price it is now. All right, so now let's switch back here to the monitors. Let's talk about first the vertical monitor. So the vertical monitor is a 21 inch monitor at the 1080p. So it's not the greatest quality monitor, but right next to it is a fantastic quality monitor, which is a BenQ 4K 27 inch monitor. It's got great color depth and color accuracy, which I needed for my design work at Visuex because I need to have as, as most accurate color I can possibly have. We have two cameras. The webcam is a Logitech C922. Now this is totally fine for people who are just getting started to just use a webcam or using a phone. You don't need to go into the, you know, the realm of getting a higher end quality mirrorless camera or anything like that. And I got a Sony A6100. A6100 is a fantastic camera. And it also has this flip up monitor, which it does matter which model you purchase. So for example, if you got an A6100, which I have, it will have a flip up monitor. If you've got an A6300, for some reason, that's actually an older generation and it doesn't have a flip up monitor. I can't explain that either. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, also for the camera, HDMI cable is connected to a Elgato cam link that takes the video capture feed from the, the, the camera into the computer and uh, converts it into something that OBS can see. You see this other cord coming out of this camera? This is called a dummy battery and it connects to the connectors inside of the camera and then you plug that into an outlet, like a regular power outlet. And now let's talk about the computer that powers everything and that is my uh, custom built, I built it actually, computer that is in a Fractal Define R4 case. And then also inside of this is the AMD 2700X CPU. And the GPU is also AMD, which is a Vega 64. And then we have the motherboard, which is an MSI X470. And of course, my Fedora Linux coaster. Not important to the production. Well, actually it is, because when I'm doing my show, I typically have a bottle of water next to me at all times. So in case I get a dry throat, I can soothe that dry throat with the drink sitting on the Fedora coaster. <laughs> I made it work. I made it, yeah, okay. So Michael, one of the things that I think stands out that you do differently than all of us, of course, is your macro keyboard that you have. Yes. So mm -hmm. talk about, you didn't, did you have the macro keyboard from the very start? I don't think you did. You brought that in much later. What was the idea for needing the macro keyboard when you didn't need it in the past? What issue were you encountering constantly with that? Well, the main reason is that when I didn't have it originally, I wasn't doing the editing when I first joined the show. And then when I started doing the editing, I needed to have, I needed to be more efficient in how I do the production of the show. And my solution was to get this keyboard to move as much as possible to the live. So when we do like the transitions and the visuals of this show, I actually do them live and I don't do them in post as, as little as possible anyway. So sometimes I will still do them in post with the editing in Caden Live. But if I can get it in OBS, that means I can not have to do the editing part of it. And it sounds like it would be 
you know, the, the same amount of effort because I have to do all the prep work to get it done versus the uh, editing. But the difference is, is that with prep, I have, you know, multiple days to get that ready to go. And with the editing, I'm much more like I have a fixed deadline to get it out as soon as possible. And with this macro keyboard, it allows me to do quick edits in the Caden Live and also switching and all sorts of stuff for the OBS. So I create multiple scenes as I have been uh, known to as being a, a kind of... If not okay. thousands. Okay, it's not that bad, but there there are probably about 70, that roughly around that. And it's a basically every time we have a topic switch and you see the, the fade transition from one topic to the next, or when we do the, the videos for this episode, I have a separate scene for each video, and then I, sw- I swap it over into the, the live stream. And just it makes it easier to manage with this keyboard because I can customize each key to be a specific shortcut that applies to OBS and also applies to uh, Caden Live. And it has like a multiple profile layer thing. Okay, but that's where I have to stop Mm -hmm. you because the thing people are going to ask, because it's the question I would ask, how do you know what the keys do when they're blank? Like, why not put labels (laughs) or something on them? How do you remember what they are? (laughs) I don't understand people like you. There are people who order blank keyboards, too. And I don't look at my keyboard when I type, but I have to know that letter's there Mm -hmm. or else I just look at a blank keyboard like, I don't know, I'm lost. Well, it's mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting question because it's totally. Uh, I've had so many people ask this question, and I can't really answer it because when I first got it, I just it never even dawned on me that I needed to have some stuff on the keys. But I also change the keys so much, like based on like what I'm using, what application I'm in. The key does a different thing based on the application, so I just know where they are in the grid by feel. So I was actually talking to some people uh, recently this week, uh, some patrons about uh, my keyboard and showing them that I just don't even look at it. It's just wherever my hand is, is where I know it's it comes second nature to you. Like yeah. Typing, I guess. Yeah. The only time it, ha- it actually backfires is when I change what a key does. Then I remember what it was supposed to do. And then that will backfire quite badly. Because gotcha, that natural, like going back yeah. and, and clicking that key for that issue now is switched on you. Yeah. As soon as I set the, um, the muscle memory, we're good to go for a while, except for earlier in the show, I was muted a little bit. Well, that is also from the keyboard, and I just forgot to hit the button again. <laughs> you know, sometimes it can backfire. <laughs> Michael, I love that you use also another laptop to uh, offload uh, some of the uh, CPU mm-hmm. and GPU from your main desktop. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? For sure. I have the HP NVX 360, and it has the director mode. And also the chat bot for the live streams. So there's a bot that allows the sync between Twitch and YouTube. And the laptop runs both of those things so that my computer can do the camera work and the OBS stuff and all that separately just to kind of remove uh, a load from the desktop itself. And I love your video, how you went into detail on each piece of equipment and you did really nice close-ups. They were beautiful. Thank you very much. Look at I, that. That's from a professor there. Michael, you see that? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's your first A you've ever gotten in school. Yes. A plus you plus, ch- plus. You should go tell your mom you finally you. got an A on I something. I finally got an A. That was a, actually, no, I got an A plus plus plus. That, yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you they very do that much. In Jill. college, Jill, is there such a thing as an A plus? Oh, plus? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's just for yeah. kindergarten. The plus 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 plus. No, we we actually had had it. It did uh, when I was in college in um, the honors program. The pluses actually counted for for your overall. G- uh, hey, nice. Mike, yeah, are you shocked at all score. that Jill was in honors? 
No, <laughs> not remotely. Okay, yeah, me either. I'm not shocked about that uh, at all. Uh, I, one thing I wanted to talk about, the laptop is a fairly new piece of equipment. You didn't always have that to offload. And there were times, if you look back, well, if you've been with us watching the show get produced every Sunday where we had crashes and system issues and things like that because of CPU utilization, memory utilization, other things too. But one of the ideas or where that came about is you came over and showed me your pathetic laptop you were using as your portable machine, which I have video of if you check out on my channel. And then we went to the store and bought that laptop and the X360 HP, what's your rating on that? Has that been a great laptop for you? I really like it. It's There's only a couple issues that I have with it that are just kind of my particular workflow. Like it doesn't have a right side keyboard uh, control key which I used all the time and I didn't realize how much I used it when I until I didn't have it. But uh, other than that, it's fantastic. I love the touchscreen features. You know how when I when I first started using uh, computers with touchscreens, I was always like, I don't really want to reach out and hit the screen for right. whatever. <laughs> it's not that yeah. useful. However, I have since you realize the combination of the two is very convenient when I just want to close something and I don't know where the mouse is and I could just tap the X on the application instead. That is pretty awesome. So I do love that feature. And I and also because this is um, this touchscreen is so sensitive, I use it uh, with for my uh, my Wacom pen to be able to draw on Krita and stuff like that with it. So it's it's a fantastic laptop and I do not have any like really big gripes about it. The slight issue I have with it is solely the right control. Missing that, that keyboard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Laptops are interesting because a lot of times they try to get funny with keyboards and they yeah. try to fit everything in and that can really throw you off and you have to kind of get used to that. The last thing I want to mention is your Fethead mic booster. Why did you get that? That's a fairly new piece of equipment. What does it do? So it's a ways to take the audio signal from your microphone and boost it up 20 to 27 or 25 to 27 decibels to be able to lower the gain knob on your mixer because i i found out that my my gain knob was too high and it made it a, an issue where there was a hum sound and people were informing me on twill that i needed to you know find this hum and in order to compensate during the episode i didn't have the fed head it, it required all sorts of extra post-processing to fix it. And then all I need to do is plug in the fed head, turn the knob gain, the gain knob down, and we're good. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it's such a... It also, the, the fact that it d directly connects into the mixer, the, I saw some other ones that are similar, but they don't fit right in the mixer. So I can just pop it in the mixer, pop the XLR cable on top of it, and then we're done. Like that is so... Nice. Such an awesome thing. And that's the reason why I went for that particular um, model and also, it's fun to say, Fethead. It's a weird yeah, name. It's, it's a kind cool of fun. name. Fethead <laughs> is an awesome name there. Well, look, I know what everybody's waiting for. They want to see Jill's behind the scenes. We saved it last so you wouldn't have anything to compare ours against. <laughs> no. Exactly. We know Jill's we knew, kill we knew it Jill again. was going to be better than ours yes, in, our, in the yes, video. So absolutely. we just didn't even bother to play. <laughs> yeah. uh, so here's Jill's video and uh, enjoy. Hello, and I am Jill Bryant, and welcome to my Destination Linux Studio Tour. It has been such a joy and an honor working with Michael and Ryan on Destination Linux. Quite frankly, it's been a dream come true for me.
and they have become such very dear friends. And I am so looking forward to seeing Michael and Ryan's studio tours as well. It is very likely that Michael may be taken over by his AI during his video. And Ryan may complain about Michael not using his stools. <laughs> yes. So this is definitely my first beta, or version 0.5, of my Destination Linux Broadcasting Studio tour, as I am in the middle of emptying out my computer studio and hardware museum of all my computer hardware and Linux collectibles to paint, remodel, and put in new carpet. So please excuse all the cables. So like Ryan, I have three monitors I use for video podcasting. The center one is a 43-inch Acer Predator IPS monitor, and there are two 30-inch monitors in portrait on the sides, one a BenQ and the other an AOC. And having all this screen real estate is so essential for podcasting because we have to have so many apps open. And it has been really helpful for me because I am half blind and I can make the fonts larger and apps bigger to see. This is my Aston Stealth Professional Broadcasting Mic with a built-in cloud lifter. This mic is quite special in many different ways. And it also has a girl voice filter that softens my high voice. For when I say, Destination Linux Extreme! And this is my Mbox 2 mini mic USB interface made by DigiDesign that came out in 2007. It no longer has macOS or Windows support, but works in Linux out of the box. That is just so awesome. Me, Michael, and Ryan all use Sony mirrorless cameras to do Destination Linux. They have phenomenal image quality. I am using the Alpha A6400. And yes, I do have a pink computer to match my pink RGB mechanical keyboard and pink RGB mouse. This computer has an AMD Ryzen 7 2700X processor with 32 gigabytes of RAM and an RX 580 GPU. And I'm planning to upgrade this broadcasting computer when GPU and CPU prices get much lower, <laughs> or at least back to MSRP. That would be nice. <laughs> And on my pink broadcasting rig, I am running Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. And of course, here are all my penguins that you see behind me during Destination Linux. There are lots of Linux text penguins and penguins of all kinds and shapes. And lots of pink ones. There are lots of Linux goodies on my wall including an OpenSUSE poster, several Southern California Linux Expo posters, my Linux Chicks of Los Angeles most memorable booth at scale award, my text-shaped clock. Actually, there was a lot more Linux paraphernalia decorating all my walls before I started cleaning out my studio. And you saw the cabinet full of hundreds of Linux and open source stickers from all the conferences I have been to at the beginning of my video. 
And I haven't finished emptying my room yet of all my hardware, so you may see a few vintage computers floating around. So I would have to spend at least a few hours showing you everything important to me in this room, including about 100 vintage computers from my hardware museum still in here that are hiding behind my broadcasting rig computer monitors. But you will just have to watch one of my upcoming Jill's Treasure Hunt segments on Destination Linux to see those. I hope you enjoyed my brief Destination Linux Studio tour, and I will end the video with something special that I do at night on my three-monitor broadcasting rig beast, besides doing show notes for Destination Linux, playing games, of course, some of which get reviewed and featured on the show. So Jill, the first thing I have to mention is the fact that I watched your video before every, obviously everyone else here has on a laptop and my daughter came and sat next to me when I was playing it. And Aww. usually she ignores <laughs> a lot of the Linuxy stuff going on on videos and stuff, but she immediately was like, <gasps> you know, did this like startled thing. She goes, the pink, she has a pink computer. She has a pink mouse. Pad. She has a pink <laughs> mouse. And then she called my wife over. She's like, mom, come look at this. And so my whole family got involved because of your awesome pink setup there. So I have to give you mad props from my daughter. She sends her mad props to you uh, for Aww. all of the amazing awesome. pink equipment that you have. It looks so cool. And then the plushies, of course, you know, my daughter yeah. is like all about the plushies. So I'm sure I'm going to have to buy a lot of penguin plushies to help match there. But you have an amazing studio and the end of your video sticks out the most because your setup is so amazing looking with Portal there. You have the two vertical monitors, one horizontal monitor, and your gaming just looks absolutely amazing. And I didn't know you were a big Portal fan like that. Oh, yeah, huge. I've got, uh, you know, I've got a, a, a turret here at my desk, and um, I have a big uh, stuffed Portal cube that wasn't in this video, but it'll be in a future one. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, because in the background, yeah, the, companion, the companion cube. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So that'll be in my next video. And actually, you'll see it when... The, the thing is, is I was, I'm working on this room. You can see that there's some, in the right corner um, over there, that is actually, there used to be a door there. And we walled it in because I didn't need two doors in this small room. So you can see the paint and you can see the construction lines. <laughs> so I am really working hard on this room. And I eventually, I, I need to move out of it so I could put new carpet in and, and paint and it's very hard when this is my working studio that I need oh, to yeah. use every day. It's oh, for sure. very difficult. I, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out where I'm going to go. <laughs> where do you for put all this stuff? Yeah. yeah. And it has literally taken me, and I'm not kidding, about six months to move my vintage hardware out of here. I've moved over literally 300 computers out of this room. Oh, my gosh. And that's why I want to excuse my cable management that that's why I have so many cables laying around because I had so many computers, you know, just hooked up to my main computer here. Right. Um, I have a big KVM behind it that has 50 ports. <laughs> that's insane. And behind the monitor, I've I've got several hundred cables back there. Now I've already put away a lot of them with the com the computers. But I need actually my husband to help me because I, in order to get behind my setup, because my monitor, my 4K monitor in front of me and my, my two 30-inch monitors on the side are so huge that I can't reach behind the desk. Yes. So 
have to have my husband comes in and helps me, you know, like every week taking a computer out, taking a computer Haul another one out. Yep. Haul, no, haul another one. And I had probably a thousand pounds on this desk. Literally. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I want a sit-stand desk, but I couldn't get one because of that. Yeah, oh, you got, yeah, you got to lower sure. it a little below a thousand pounds for the so, sit-stand. Yeah. Although I believe the Thomas yeah. is rated for a lot of weight. There, are, but you have yeah. so many amazing pieces of equipment that you you went over. I mean, a lot of people are talking about a lot of your decor as well because your decor is epic uh, with oh, yeah, all of the sure. Linux stuff. Uh, awesome. But your Digit Design USB interface, um, yes. that's interesting. But I know people. I want you to tell us about that and your microphone with Cloud Lifter and Girl Mode a little more. So I okay. guess start with the microphone, Cloud Lifter and Girl Mode. What is Girl Mode? Girl Mode. <laughs> Okay, so on the back of this mic, there's actually a switch to go from um, a female voice, male voice, and uh, for studio recording, like for musicians, uh, so recording wow. equipment. And it's got a cloud lifter in it, which is kind of like, it's not really like boosting the gain, it's more creating a room space where the your voice sounds bigger and better. Then it goes into the DigiDesign, which boosts the gain into the computer. But because this hat, this mic has a cloud lifter in it, I didn't need uh, I didn't need a USB interface that was really powerful because the mic does all the work. Very nice. But what's cool is the DigiDesign uh, USB interface is literally from like 2007, and it was really high quality. You know, it it was about. I think $350 to $400 when it came out. And it was initially packaged with Pro Tools for the Macintosh. Interesting. And so it's a, it's a high-end brand that a lot of Mac users use. Well, the new Mac OS does not support it, and Windows does not support it. So you can go to eBay and buy one out right now for anywhere between $75 and $100, and it works on Linux out of the box. I love it. Beautiful, love beautiful sounding. Nice. Yeah, it's yes. the best USB interface I've ever had. Actually. And you sound amazing. Your audio quality is amazing. And you're doing that for a piece of equipment somebody could pick up for $75 to $100 because yeah. Mac OS and Windows stopped supporting it. We got the Linux stuff built in. That's a beautiful. I love it. Well, we want to go into a little bit of the software, but for time's sake and the fact that we've covered some of the stuff in the past, we're just going to kind of briefly go over some of the software that powers all of this stuff that's very important to us. Video Ninja is one of the most important things that we found for doing the video portion of Absolutely. this podcast. So Michael, real quick, take us into Video Ninja. A video Ninja is a very cool way of being able to do a conferencing kind of like this, but it's not, it's specifically made for the purpose that we are using it for, to create video content with it for people who are not in a, in the same location. So there's other things that do the remote, the conferencing that are for more like actual conference purposes. This is where you can connect to a room and then each individual camera can be popped out into its own feed and then put into an, uh, an OBS scene like we're doing here. So we have all three cameras, but I have each individual camera separated in its own scene. So if I wanted to, I could do a full screen of whatever camera that I want and do any transitions and stuff like that. And I can configure the cameras however I want in the layout because Video Ninja makes it possible to have this isolation of everything. And we also have um, the, the audio going through Video Ninja for the live stream, but we also do the 
local recordings for the audio with Audacity and other tools in order to be able to do the higher quality post-processing when we do a published version of the show. Yeah, so this is really important because for a while we did, if you look at the beginning episodes, we recorded in Zoom. Everything was done in Zoom, which of course is closed source. And a lot of people wanted us to find an open source solution. We went on the hunt for months, multiple times, patrons and everybody looking (laughs) for an option that could meet the quality that we wanted to pump the show up to and be able to handle what we were doing here from a software solution standpoint. We met with companies, we had meetings and conferences and all of this stuff, and nobody could come up with a solution that allowed to have three remote host cameras that you could independently be able to control and manipulate like we are doing with this show. Video Ninja is an open source application that it basically works off of OBS, as I understand it has some interlinking with OBS mm-hmm. and allows us to accomplish that. So we love Video Ninja, love the development team behind that and are so appreciative for them for developing. HedgeDoc is what we use to do all the notes. Mm-hmm. The notes for this show can be up to 14 pages long for a single episode. And we write those notes and we can talk to each other live through the notes as we're doing the episode. And so all of this, of course, is hosted on DigitalOcean. But HedgeDoc has been a game changer for us because not only do we use it, but all of the shows on Destination Linux Network utilize HedgeDoc for their show notes and things uh, that they have here. And this takes usually between 8 to 12 hours to write a single show during the week. So there's a lot of notes that I put into it, but then Jill and Michael go in after I've, I've written the outline of the show and they add in all of their notes. And then we meet every Thursday to do a pre-show Thursday or Friday to go over everything and make sure that all everything's aligned and that we've done all of our fact checking and, and all that stuff. And so a lot goes in to the note taking as well. That's completely open source. Yeah, absolutely. One of the cool things about HedgeDoc is that it is live, it's live collaborative editing. So the the fact that you you mentioned how we put notes to each other that is the the fundamental reason why this thing is so awesome because it's yeah. so consistent and live when you start typing it automatically shows it to everyone and there are other solutions to do that but this one is fantastic because in addition to that it also has sublime text functionality Yay. and yeah. i love that <laughs> and so it's it's made a, it's a great combination of being a good text editor and also being a live uh, notes collaboration tool. Oh, yeah. and it's a great alternative to Google Docs. Absolutely. Your open oh, source yeah. alternative. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we have QJack CTL as well, which Jack is a very important part of this podcast. One of the things that we had to do that uh, besides just video is we needed a separate room for our patrons that could also watch the video but not ruin the bandwidth between our videos so we don't have stuttering and stopping and taking down the quality of our video because we have a bunch of patrons that want to be able to join as part of a perk live and be able to listen to the show and see the show. So QJack CTL was the solution we found that allows me to pipe audio between two different browsers. So I have a Firefox browser open, I have LibreWolf browser open, and I pipe the audio between those. The patrons hang out in Jitsi and that links in and they get to I share my screen with Video Ninja. So they get to see the Video Ninja. They get to see us live without the delay and things like in YouTube and all the audios mixed in so they can talk with us and we can talk with them during the show or after the show or before the show starts. So that is a huge piece of software that we couldn't live without as well. It's fantastic. It's so, it's so fantastic. And the Jack is the main piece that allows us all to work. However, also Pipewire has made that process so easy. Yeah. 
Nice. Ryan does all the piping to make everything go back and forth between during the, the mix minus stuff that we have to do for this. But I tried to play with Jack control and with Pipewire just a couple of days ago just to see, you know, how I could do some piping in and out. And having never tried it before and not really knowing what I was doing, just loading up QJack control and then it automatically working because Pipewire connects with Jack so easily. That yeah, was like so magic, convenient. you know? Yeah, <laughs> it is awesome. magic. It is magic. And we spent months trying to figure out a hardware solution with it. Again, not an audio mm-hmm. engineer. And, uh, you know, we got some pieces of it working, but couldn't get it to where the quality was either distorting or it was working intermittently. There were all kinds of issues there, but that helped. We've got the DOS Geek stopwatch. This was one of my first forays <laughs> into yes. coding. Of course you put it in here. here. Python. Yeah, we have to. So this is one of my first big projects that for the show, Michael said we need a stopwatch because we've got to make sure we're on time. We're way over time, by the way, right now. Uh, based on the stopwatch, but we have to make sure we're on time. So there's a Python script that I have and and you can go check it out on GitHub. It's completely open source. One of my first big Python projects. And basically it's a stopwatch that also creates a text file to let you know uh, how long the different segments and things are going so that we can stay on time and, and give everybody um, an idea or heads up if we're going long on something. And then we've got OBS we talk about, Caden Live, which we couldn't live without. Michael does all of the editing, which takes... Yep like he said, between 8 and 12 hours a week to edit each episode for the final product that you all see. Absolutely. And also just to make a quick point, it's not about like the tool that you're using necessarily because you can get really efficient with any any of these editors, but it's mostly it's because of a lot of people aren't aware that when we do a show, we start the show and we, we record it and we stream it live. And that takes about an hour to hour and a half, maybe two hours sometimes to create the content. But when, when you want to edit something, you basically need to triple the amount of time, whatever the duration you have of a recording. And this applies to whether you're doing a podcast or you're doing a video or anything. The editing of something is always going to take the most time. So when I say it's eight to 10 hours, it's because that's just how much it, how much time it takes to do that long of content. So that's the reason why we have this stop, the stopwatch or the DOS stopwatch or whatever you wanted to call it. <laughs> the DOS yeah. stopwatch. Yeah. yeah. So that's why Brilliant. we have that so that we can eliminate at least a little bit of the editing process. Not this week. <laughs> Not this week, though. Not that's this true. week. <laughs> Yeah, it, for our videos this week, um, I use Caden Live and Michael used Caden Live, but Dos Geek used uh, Blender. I use Blender, yeah. I've been just yeah. to learn Blender. I've been <laughs> using Blender as my video editor. All of my latest videos, including the OpenSUSE one I just released, all done in Blender, and I'm learning it. So you have to be a little forgiving, nice. but the power <laughs> of it is, is quite amazing. And we can't not talk about Jitsi. Jitsi was a solution we were going to use for a video podcast. By the way, if you think of doing a video podcast, don't. Uh, stick with just audio <laughs> podcasts. It's so much yep. easier. Uh, it's to do way that. easier. Yep. Um, but in, in any case, yeah, Jitsi has been a lifesaver for us to be able to hang out with our patrons. It has its little quirks and things there. But as far as being able to meet with everybody and hang out in the after show and stuff and quickly set up meetings when we're meeting with different companies, Jitsi's just it's really hit the nail on the head for that. So it gets the job done. It gets the job done. Yeah. And then we've got Element, of course, which we use for our chats and with each other throughout the week when we're talking to other DLN creators. And so we manage our business a lot through Element and things there. And the custom scripts that Michael has that you're basically your community and everybody helped you write to allow you to be able to hit that keyboard, which I always get, you know, a little bit paranoid when I see Michael look down and hit the keyboard because I know I made a mistake. 
See, he's doing it right there. He's going to cut this section. <laughs> there he see, goes. I knew it. Um, <laughs> but when, when you see him look down and hit something, he's hitting markers, and that automatically fills into a spreadsheet to let you know time marks to do edits in, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's it's a way that I, I created this method of there's a plugin for OBS that allows you to create these timestamps. And uh, I'll have it linked in the show notes if anybody wants to look at it. But what it does is I take the timestamps from that plugin and then I convert them into Caden Live guides so that I can use them to ease, more easily find things that I need to make changes to or make edits to in Caden Live. I actually created a script myself and then Caden Live changed the entire timeline. We talked about it on a previous episode where they did a whole refactoring of the timeline and I had no idea how to make it work. So I, I, I just mentioned it in the community some at one point and I, I was contacted by someone who came in and just basically solved my problem completely and it was it was it was fantastic that's why one of the reasons i love the community we have we're creating this content for you and they also appreciate that so if they have a way to help us make the content they just jump at it there's any chance they have for that so that is awesome and that's one of the reasons i love the community we have with the show and the network so I hope all of you enjoyed the behind the scenes look at how this show gets produced each and every week. It is a phenom in a way because of all of the technology that we have to combine together to make a live show, a video show and a podcast all at one. And a huge thanks to you, Michael, for editing the show each and every week. And a huge thanks to our sponsors and our patrons, because a lot of this equipment ain't cheap. And without them, mm -hmm. we couldn't do this stuff. So thanks to our patrons, thanks to DigitalOcean, and a special thanks to Bitwarden, which also sponsors Destination Linux, allows us to have all of this amazing, cool equipment to be able to do this show. And this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are safe and secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to. You can access your data across many types of devices like your web browser, your mobile apps, desktop applications, command line even. Bitwarden is on every device, so you always have your passwords with you but most importantly, you have them with you safer. And they have a brand new feature, which I absolutely love. Let's say you have Bitwarden for your business, which if you're a business, you should be using Bitwarden for that, for password management, because otherwise your employees are probably gonna put their passwords in the text file. It happens, I've seen it. So get <laughs> Bitwarden for business, but you may also have a personal account. Manage your different accounts under one application. So no longer do you have to sign out and sign into your business account or sign out and sign into your personal account. You can switch accounts right there in Bitwarden. They're constantly making this product better. And the best part, you get started for free, like free. You can sign up for free. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN. And if you want to pay them for their amazing support of this show and the amazing password manager software they create, it's like $10 a year. $10 a year. And you get a gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, TOTP, Priority Customer Support for $10 a year. That's like the best value in software ever for something that's so important. Third-party auditors come in, make sure this is safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So this week, there was some news that caught my attention because I've been trying to play with different mail clients on my desktop. So I've been trying different email clients out there to see what I might be missing 
to see, you know, is the grass greener with a different email client? Because I've been using Thunderbird forever, ever since sure. we were doing this show. And we have a lot of email accounts that we have to keep track of, both personal and business and things. And so Thunderbird's been there. But I got to tell you, every time I go to another email client, they have some cool features here and there and things. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, I just keep coming back to Thunderbird. It's like this familiarity that I have with it. And yeah. I just end up, I feel at home when I'm using Thunderbird versus mm -hmm. using these other email clients. Jill, I see you agreeing with me. Are you Thunderbird fangirl? Like I'm a Thunderbird Absolutely. fanboy? Yeah. I've been using it for years since the beginning of Firefox Yeah, <laughs> when it was part of the browser. <laughs> So the good news is that Thunderbird has a new version coming out soon, and that's version 102 that has some really cool new features that caught my attention. The first one that really caught my attention in here is matrix support. Now that's in beta, mm -hmm. so they're trialing this out. But Jill, I imagine this world where I open Thunderbird, start my morning, yes. and right there I've got my emails to come in. I'm reading all of the complaints about Michael and all the compliments for me and you, Jill. And then I look down and I Seems can go legit. into Element and share those right away in chat because I'll have all of it interconnected. Can they make a better Element chat or Matrix yeah. chat than, say, Element? That's I know. Me, me and you were talking about that on Friday yeah. during our meeting. It really could be the best Matrix chat client, especially with Thunderbird making so many wonderful improvements and modern. they're going to be modernizing the e email client and putting in a lot of new features that make it look so much more professional, quite frankly. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really improving a lot. And I can't wait for this release. <laughs> I agree. And Michael, yeah. you've swayed away from Thunderbird recently, as I've heard. You've a left little. the Thunderbird. We had a, a little, little nest here for the Thunderbird, and it was nice and comfy and cozy. You decided to sprout your wings and fly out of the nest and go look at something else. But when you're looking at 102 features, mm -hmm. you've got to be thinking maybe you're coming back. Spaces toolbar, new address book, mm -hmm. link preview cards, account That's setup hub, amazing. import, export, message header redesign. You won't come back to our comfy nest over here. It's warm. Yeah. We will see. That's all I can yeah. say right now. We will say. I do think that the design, the redesign, the modern approach to it is very nice, and it's been something I have been begging them to do for years, so I'm happy to see that they're doing it. But, you know, Thunderbird is, for me, it's still currently in a state of, I don't like looking at it. And when you're using I your email like client, looking at it. <laughs> right. it's because it looks like it hasn't been updated in terms of design in a decade. And that's kind of true, like not exactly, but it's kind of true. So when I'm looking at email all, the, all day, I want to have it where it looks, because as a designer, I don't really have a choice but to consider the design of things that I'm using, and I have to. Yeah. And if, if if I can't tweak it, I I I just it just kind of gets in my way. So as long as I can tweak it, we're good to go. But in terms of Thunderbird, there's a, there's not as much customization options. You you can change the theme and stuff like that, but you can't really change certain functionality, and it just doesn't have that that vibe for me. But the new 102 stuff looks like it has that potential to bring me back. So mm -hmm. when it comes back, I will let you know if it's possible for me to switch back to Thunderbird, because I did now, use Thunderbird for years prior to switching yeah. about what sometime last year. What is the solution you're using right now? I'm currently using MailSpring. Is that open source, Michael? It is open source. Oh, 
Dang, that's, I almost thought I could shame you. You know, a little that, bit of shame that, there. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. reason I switched to Mailspring is because it used to not be open source, and then they announced that it was going open source, so I switched and tried it out at that point. But I had previously never really even considered it because I didn't want to have a proprietary email client. Not that it has any kind of uh, anything to do with whether you should use it or not. It's just like that's my preference. So when I switched away, I I, I kind of enjoy the fact that Mailspring looks nice. It's a modern email client. It's got a lot of cool features. Some of the features require a premium service subscription, but uh, the majority of like you need to use it if you have multiple accounts or anything. All of that stuff is open source, so you're good to go there. But I do have a lot of love in the uh, for the Thunderbird project because I have used it for many, many years, and it did allow me to have a great desktop application for my emails. It just needs to get the visuals up, you know, more modern and they're working the on UX that. So design I'm excited for you. That's the big yeah. thing. It's not a feature yeah. thing for you. Yeah. It's a UX design thing. And a lot of people say that frankly about Thunderbird. A lot of people want a more modern looking email client for Thunderbird. Jill, some of the features here though, link preview cards, preview websites oh. to make sure you're not getting rickrolled. I feel like That's perfect. This <laughs> <laughs> this is like a feature I have to have. So in your email, Absolutely. when somebody sends you a link, it's going to give you a little preview picture of what where that's taking you. And I also think that's a protection. You know, you shouldn't be clicking links in your email at all. But yeah. if you're one of those people who refuse to listen to that advice and you like to click links, you know, at least gives you a preview of what it's about. Yeah. And it is so nice to have that preview, especially when all the other, almost all the other email clients have one and they've had one for years. So that's actually been something I've been, It's it seems simple, but that's something I've been waiting for in Thunderbird. So and also, exciting. just like Ryan was talking about, there are some really good features. And Thunderbird, I just want to let you know, I don't want to give you up or let you down. Yeah. So, I want to give you up. <laughs> I want to let you down. Oh, I saw what you did there. Wow. Yep. Uh, well done, we, need, we need a destination Linux karaoke night. That's it. We've yeah, got to we do, do it. We do. We do. I agree. Very fun. Well, listen, Thunderbird, June 28th is when they believe the new version is going to drop. So if you're looking to check out all these new features and see in their beta, are they going to have the best Matrix client built in right to your email? Check out the new Thunderbird 102. So our software spotlight this week is Obsidian. When I was writing Michael AI, which is out there on my GitHub, I'm not joking, by the way. People think I'm joking about this, but I literally have Michael AI out there. We've captured Michael's complete brain and essence in Python it's script. It's on GitHub. Yeah, it's on GitHub. 140 <laughs> lines of amazing code there. Um, oh, it's really out there on GitHub. I sure. completely uh, realized when I did this that you need a second brain because it was only 140 lines of code. You need. Oh my goodness. Yeah, what yeah. A, so oh. what I realized is like, if I could capture his whole brain in 140 lines of code, he needs a second brain. And this is what Michael did is he went and found this application oh called Obsidian my. that does just that. Literally its tagline is, it'll give you a second brain. Wow. So True. Obsidian <laughs> That setup, that setup, Ryan. I will, I will pl applaud you. I didn't know where you were going with this Michael AI thing, but that was a beautiful setup. So let me explain what second brain means. It's a, it's a method of of note taking that allows you to like takes the concept of saying that our our brains are great for creating ideas, but it's not good at storing data. So the second brain is allow you to create get an application that allows you to store all the stuff you want to remember but you're probably not going to. And this is what Obsidian does. 
And Obsidian is, and there's a lot of applications you can do this. Like you could basically do it in any kind of note-taking application. But Obsidian is designed specifically for this concept of the second brain. Uh, Obsidian describes itself as a powerful knowledge base on top of a local folder and plain text markdown files. This is what's most important about Obsidian. I love the fact that, yes, it is a fantastic application, but all of my files are stored locally on my devices. And every time I connect a new device, it syncs it to the device and effectively creates a backup of the data on that device. So if anything goes goes wrong, you can easily get the data back. And there's also a, a, a versioning system, so like revisions, you can easily, if something does go wrong, you can easily change it back, whether you wanted to get a file from another, or maybe there's even a sync issue. You can actually do the revisions because it's keeping track of all your changes. It's such a great tool. I've been using it for almost a year now, and I think it is, it's fantastic for, um, for people who want to have uh, your to-dos, your your notes, your journaling, any of that kind of stuff all in one place. And uh, it also has a ton of plugins that you can customize it for a variety of different pr- approaches. I am a big fan of Obsidian. Now, I do want to mention that it is not open source for those who are curious about that shame, part. Shame, shame. Okay, most, <laughs> they have an open source philosophy. I knew I got to shame them one time during this yeah. episode. <laughs> they have an open source philosophy, but it's not, the software for the application is not open source. So we're going to make them open source. They're not open source yet, yet. Michael. That's <laughs> the key. Now that yeah. we're talking about them and they're going to, you know, people are going to go check it out and we're like, hey, what's this open source thing? We're going to bring them in to the fold there. This is a really cool piece of software. And there's this great uh, comment here that is a quote that says, our brain is for having ideas, not keeping them from David Allen. I think that's amazing uh, quote there and very true a lot of times as well. We don't yeah. keep those ideas. That's well. a much better, more succinct way of the nonsense I said. So let's go with that. That's the, yeah. the, I'm, I'm <laughs> also sentence, saying one sentence. Yes, <laughs> in yeah. one sentence. Exactly. No, this is a very cool tool. I mean, I use standard notes. That's my second brain, if you will. And I keep all of the notes and things that I need to do, even to-do lists and Excel spreadsheets and everything in standard notes. But I see that this has a powerful knowledge base that tries to link these things together and link your ideas together and all of these different powerful AI elements. So I could see the power of a tool like this. I think it's pretty neat to go. And it's very cool to also, when you do all the linking stuff, you can actually like also gives you a graph system of all your links and all of your notes. So you can like kind of just like go around the graph in like a 3D effect and just see you know, click randomly and just maybe look at it, some note that you haven't looked at it for a while and just remind yourself of something like that. It's, it's also fun for discovering things that you thought about years ago and be able to, you know, go back and check that out. Because there's so many times that I've actually started doing journaling through Obsidian and it it's, it's fun because I can go back and look at something I wrote a year ago and remind myself of something like, oh, yes, that was a fantastic idea that Ryan turned down. But, you know, oh, so, so cool, man, I'd love to see those. Notes. Maybe you could share uh, some of your yeah. diary <laughs> entries with us that we could all look oh. at those. Dear diary, <laughs> Brian made fun of me for not using open source software today. Anyway, oh. check out that, that is going Obsidian. in there. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obsidian. Uh, Michael was all excited. He told me all about it a few weeks ago. So yeah. I have just I started cool. using it. It looks yeah. great. Obsidian is pretty cool. 
Also, let's talk about the tip of the week, too. So this is a really great feature that uh, Ryan showed me just recently, and we had to cover it on the show. So I was looking to see when I last installed my system, because I've been using uh, Fedora for quite a while, but I wasn't sure when I actually installed it. And he said, just run this in your terminal. Like, oh, okay, really, well, I'll check it. And perfectly, it showed me that I used it. I first installed it in September of 2020. Actually, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> will you just run the command real quick? And then... <laughs> I will run the command real quick. Okay, September. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I love that your line was, and it perfectly told me that I installed it in 20. 2019, I don't. I don't. It's because I ran it two days ago. And I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I ran this command, and now I know that it was September thirteenth of twenty twenty, and I've been using it the same install Fedora since then. And I've talked about the process of doing it because I actually installed the beta, and I was just thinking, like, yeah, I'll just I'll reinstall when I get to the, when the final release comes out, and then. I never did. So I've been using the exact same install since I did that beta. I actually needed this command because when we were doing the OpenSUSE video on my channel, Michael does the thumbnails for me. I'll generally throw some ideas at him of what I want to do for a title and things. And he wanted to put, well, how long? He asked me, how long have you been using OpenSUSE? And I'm like, gosh, I know it's been at least a few months, but I didn't know the exact date. So I typed in this command, realized it was over 90 days, and that became part of the title for the video there. So these are some of the cool things that you can do with it. But the command is just stat space taxi space the percent sign W space backslash. So we'll have it in the show notes because it'll be easier there. But it's stat C percent W with the backslash. And you're going to be able to see the earliest date of your install if you're using something like Fedora or OpenSUSE. And in Arch, of course, you can do this too with head space tack in one and then you have slash var slash log slash pacman.log because essentially you're pulling it out of the pacman files there to see the first date that you ran pacman. Yeah, and on Ubuntu, you can go check your var log installer file. It's in there. Or you can just run it from the command line, list it out. Yeah. So it's a cool thing to know the birth date of your Linux distro installation. Absolutely. And also (laughs) recognizing like anniversaries and things are very important because once you miss them, it's not as uh, enjoyable once you're like, oh, that was cool. It was like a month ago. So I'm super happy that this whole thing actually started because this this tip of the week got me thinking about stuff. And I was wondering, like, when did we start the shows? When did we start, you know, all the different stuff? And then I realized this week in Linux, fifth anniversary is next Saturday. Wow. So wow. this kind of helped me for that, too. And yeah. uh, so thanks for pointing that out and making me think about <laughs> what kind of big celebration are you doing for the fifth year? I heard there's like a $5,000 out of your personal bank account giveaway and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, well, no, but um, so, <laughs> well, so no. my my big celebration plans are n- none because I didn't realize it was a thing until yesterday. Okay. But, you know. We'll, you we'll may fi- do something out, special. You yeah, something. you gotta do something. Maybe you get one of those kazoos and you just blow the kazoo live. You know the ones that have the little flappy thing that comes Absolutely. out? Absolutely. Party hat and oh, a party hat! I can't buy wait. yourself I'm gonna, a cupcake. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get mm-hmm. so many party hats and ice cream. 
Ooh, yeah, that's absolutely. a good one. Get yourself cookie some ice dough. cream there. Get some cookie dough ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the DOS Geek Stopwatch says we are out of time. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at dlnlive.com. The best part? Everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. We can't wait to see you in the chat. We also have an awesome digital stadium that the patrons can join us during the shows, also in the pre-show, and of course in the patron-only post-show. So if you become a patron, you get all sorts of perks, just like being able to join that patron-only post-show, but also you get unedited versions of the show and just so much more stuff. So go to destinationlinux.org slash Patreon to sign up. And also, if you want to go to dealinstore.com, you can get a bunch of cool swag there. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, hats, they, all sorts of great stuff are at dealinstore.com. So check that out too. And everyone head to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these wonderful shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full monte of Linux on open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you next week to line up the clap like right like the, the first frame of it hitting is so much easier than trying to line up words on a, on a mouth and stuff and lips yeah yeah all right cool. so we ready now that we have slapped uh and also slapped yes oh, in that case michael are we will smith in this <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for that because <laughs> no. i'm ready man i've been I waiting know. for this for like three years that was great, Ryan. Oh. <laughs> Perfect timing. Okay, so when I, <laughs> I was talking about I, I clapped my hands too hard and it felt like I slapped something and my hand hurts yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's perfect. I thought That's... we were doing a new sync thing. I'm like, I'm oh. down for that. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's let's give it a shot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. There, there you go. You can sync that. Everything's good to go. We are give me ready. The countdown. All right. Make sure you do the silent part. If you don't do the silent part, I'm not going. I like well, when you do the silent after three, you know? But what like, if real professional what if this, for me? But it, what if I, I, I forget the one of the I'll silent. refuse to go. I'll just oh. sit here and stare at the screen, make it awkward for everybody. I mean that's that's uh, all right, we'll see. I guess I'll I'll try I'll do my best to remember. All right. So go in three, two, one, now start talking. I refuse. You refuse. You did not do the silent. I forgot. Okay, I'll try <laughs> this. I'll I will do it on this uh, this time. I'll do it right. Okay. All okay. Right. All right. All right. <clears throat> Three, two. Welcome to episode number two hundred and seventy-two of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. You're muted again. Well, you are really struggling with that mute button. <sighs> okay. So, um. What happened was, I forgot uh -huh. that I muted, uh -huh. and then I started talking, and then I heard you say that I was muted, and then I fixed it, and now I'm talking again. <laughs> Thanks All for right. that recap. Cool. <laughs> All right. So we're going to community feedback? Yeah, let's jump into it. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Love See you. ya. Oh, you got to do the braid wave. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. I love you.